English Ministry Podcast. Podcast. All right, Pastor. Thanks for uh, joining me again. <laughs> um, Part two. <laughs> yeah, and it's good to it's good to have the video too because it helps people get a visual of things. Um, so I did want to ask you about the EM forum. Have you talk about it? Uh, the when, where, what people can expect. Yeah, can you talk, talk to us about Yeah, uh, so the PCA EM Forum, it's an annual conference for uh, PCA EM pastors and leaders. Mm. Uh, and not everyone is in the PCA. Most people who come are from the PCA. We do encourage uh, friends of the PCA, meaning mm. that there are other pastors and other denominations that come. Yeah. So maybe... Uh, it's a handful, but uh, people who feel comfortable with the PCA and have friends and yeah. maybe some who are thinking about joining the PCA come to this. And it's uh, mainly pastors, but it's also for leaders. And mm-hmm. I, I want to mm-hmm. really encourage uh, pastors with ruling elders or yep. even deacons, uh, you know, who mm-hmm. they're training, uh, mm-hmm. th- uh, seminarians or uh, pastoral yep. interns. Yeah to come, and so we want to sort of have a, a fellowship, not just a exclusive fellowship of mm-hmm, pastors, mm-hmm. but someplace healthy where mm-hmm. um, people can make connections yeah. and to be part of the PCA to mean something, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. this fellowship in the PCA, uh, not to be so exclusive that others who can be blessed by this, they're, they're welcome to come as well. Mm-hmm. But being PCA, it, it sort of creates some at least some uh, theological structure and yeah. boundaries uh, for us. Mm. Uh, but our uh, forum, we call it a PCAEM forum, it's going to be held on February 6th through the 8th in Atlanta, Georgia. It's going to be held here in this very building yep. <laughs> at New Church, uh, New, New Church of Atlanta, yes. where John is the EM pastor. And uh, thank you for hosting, by the yeah, way. Yeah, looking forward. Uh, it starts on Tuesday evening and ends on... Thursday afternoon or with lunch on Thursday. And it's a great time of fellowship. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. a great time to connect with other guys uh, in the PCA, uh, EM pastors. And um, the speakers are Brian Chappell, who's the stated clerk of the PCA and very uh, well-known speaker. Uh, Carl Ellis, Mm -hmm. um, who is African-American. He's an adjunct professor at uh, Reformed Theological Seminary in Atlanta, yep. and he is, I call him the godfather for the African-American <laughs> uh, PCA <laughs> pastors, because right. he's one of the earliest uh, mm-hmm. uh, African-Americans in the PCA. Minorities in the PCA. Yeah, yeah. and so he has a rich legacy yeah. in the Reformed tradition. I think mm. he, he did his work at Westminster Seminary mm. in Philly, mm. and um, just mm. is very, you know, for those who know, they, yeah. he's very well known, and yeah. He's a little older now, but I think he has just a wealth of wisdom to share sure. with, with absolutely, us. Absolutely. And um, Billy Park will be speaking. Yes, I, I will be one of the speakers <laughs> as well. And we were looking for a Korean-American speaker, and uh, particularly this year, I've spoken in the EM Forum b- before, mm-hmm. but I, I, I put myself in there. I, I really, with our leadership, we have a mm-hmm. core leadership, mm-hmm. uh, and you know we were discussing about the speakers, and we were thinking about inviting other people, and we did ask... Uh, one or two people who we had in mind for a Korean-American speaker. Mm, mm. Um, and when they couldn't come, I, I threw my name in there just because this theme, uh, Hope for Pastors, is the theme. Mm. And um, 
you know, for myself as being a pastor for a long time in the, mm-hmm. in the Korean American context, uh, it's a theme that I, I really have a heart for to mm-hmm. share. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to share, but mm-hmm. I, I did want to give um, a word to um, my fellow pastors, mm-hmm. Korean American mm-hmm. pastors, particularly mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Uh, what does it mean to have hope in the midst of. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a you know we talk this is trying times. I mean, every every season I guess has trying issues and sure. stuff. But these these are very trying times, and it's very easy to see pastors lose hope. Mm. And you see a lot of pastors going through uh, difficulties and yeah. even sometimes uh, moral failures and so forth. And it's, mm-hmm. it can be very discouraging to be mm-hmm. a pastor mm-hmm. in this day and age. And I definitely mm-hmm. feel that sometimes myself. And mm. uh, and I always try to wrestle for hope, uh, the biblical mm-hmm. hope that we have mm-hmm. and. Yeah. I want to share with my brothers, um, you know, that's not an easy task often, but it's a very wor- worthwhile task of holding on to hope in the midst of challenges. Mm. And mm. so uh, I do want to uh, share. So I, I volunteered to, to be one of the speakers, Great. Great. <laughs> even though I'm yeah. the coordinator and organizer of this yeah. thing. No, I, yeah. I, I'm looking forward to yeah. hearing from you, from, uh, the other brothers. Um, yeah, I think it'd be great. Um, yeah. I think we'll learn a lot, and like you said, a lot of good fellowship as well. Yeah, yeah, excited. Um, I recently had a, a conversation. Oh, I forgot with, to tell you, oh, we're yeah. going to have good food, and we're going right, to play just gonna some say, sports. <laughs> okay, yeah. No, I was going to talk about the food because right. um, I spoke with Danny Kwan, and one of the things that he recalled <laughs> about just the vibe from EM Forum is the Korean food and just getting to – get with brothers and just go is long tongue afterwards or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Is that like intentional? Is, is there like a hint of, oh, let's bring some Korean like culture into this? Or is that just like? Um, you know, I mean, the, in, especially in Atlanta, when we do it in Atlanta, there are couple, uh, now only one 24-hour Korean restaurant. Uh, so, you know, one of the things that uh, some of the core guys uh, like yeah. to do, uh, yeah. you know, uh, was just play sports, you yeah. know, we play v- basketball, yeah. find some place where we can play late night basketball after everything's over, yeah. and then go out to eat. Um, you know, there's some guys in, in our group as well that enjoy their Christian liberty, and so mm-hmm. we don't necessarily <laughs> sure. frown on that, but, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, but at, at the same time, I think um, just in terms of the culture of the EM Forum has been mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. much uh, of that kind of, maybe it's a kind of old youth group days <laughs> of... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, playing sports and uh-huh. eating out, you know, and so we've upgraded from the cup ramen to yeah, so it's a little <laughs> better. <Korean> restaurants, <laughs> and there's always someone or some through you know a gracious church or some jo- donations mm-hmm, from mm-hmm. people who want to treat yeah. out pastors yeah, yeah. so that you know someone picks up the tab, and yeah, so awesome. people tag yeah. along, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. knowing that that happens as well. And yeah. so um, you know, there's a spirit of generosity, camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Um, which, um, you know, that was the thing as I'm doing this. And to be honest, uh, it's a grassroots movement. And then every mm. year I would like, you know, can, can we sustain this, keep it going? And there was always people, when I see them together that very first day, you know, like when, when, they, when we gather mm. for the first meal mm. and just the way people greet each other and just, um, mm. I mean, my job is just, just provide a place to bring them together, mm, and mm, mm. and it's just there's some just synergy that just happens, that's just really been mm. um, 
just life-giving. Mm. And, you know, I think people have said that. I mean, it's not, you know, this is not the only conference necessarily, but mm-hmm, I think for mm-hmm. me, one of the key phrases in the EM forum is uh, not just, you know, the speakers are great and everything and, yeah. and the food is great, and, but it's all of it is like, in, how can we create space for interaction, meaningful mm. interaction? Mm. And so calling it a forum and not a conference, not having a, a lot of speakers or having a two-packed sure. schedule. Yeah having plenty of time through meals yeah. and so forth, that yeah. that people have just a chance to just interact with each other and spend time together, encourage each other. And yeah. so we don't over-program. We provide mm-hmm. structural programming, but mm-hmm. it's been one where um, I think there's space for people to be together and encourage each other. Mm-hmm. And that's been... Um, it's happened very organically. As we get bigger, mm-hmm. um, you know, as we have gotten bigger, this mm-hmm. this this meeting it might be a little smaller than last year. Yeah. But um, we'll probably have about 50 people or so, 50, 60 people altogether. It's um, great. But it's it's one where it's very organic. Yeah. And so I want to keep for sure. Hopefully, whatever happens, I want to kind of keep that kind of same yeah. Yeah. atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, from what I recall from. Um, having participated in the EM forum, I've always walked away with some really good teaching too. I know, I know you're not, you're, you're saying, you know, it's not just the teaching, but um, <clears throat> I mean, one of the reasons why I love the PCA is good teaching. Yeah. Just really good teachers, teaching elders. Um, my favorite pastors in the world are PCA pastors, you know, and I feel like at EM forums, I do get a good dose of that good teaching. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think that's something I am excited about. Yeah. In addition to yeah, seeing friendly faces and all yeah. that, um, but just the opportunity to, and I think it's thanks to just your connections, the opportunity to just sit under some really experienced pastors and teaching elders that we otherwise don't have access to. Like yeah. I can't call up Brian Chapel. Right. Um, he hasn't replied to an email I sent about guest <laughs> preaching. Um, Send me the email. I'll yeah, forward yeah. it to him. <laughs> yeah. I'll CC yeah, yeah, you on there. Yeah. Um, so just that kind of accessibility, you know, yeah. or even Dr. Ellis, um, apart from auditing his course or, you know, it's hard to just glean from men like that. Right. And so that's another thing I really appreciate and look forward to uh, when it comes to the, the EM forum. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, By the way, the, yeah. the sun is shining this way. Is oh. it going to be a problem? Okay. No, it's okay. it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you, we, we look I thought it was just the holy glow on your... Yeah, it'll be fine. It's not the holy glow. It's the sun <laughs> in my eyes. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think we talked a bit about kind of your early days growing up in, like in your dad's church mm-hmm. and then you transitioning to ministry and that kind of thing. What I didn't get to ask you as much about was just kind of the PK um, experience or the, um, your, your perspective from that. I I recently spoke with Angela, a church member here, right? She's a pastor's kid. I'm pastor's kid. And we both had sort of our time in LA, uh, as PKs and we were sharing about that. And, and I thought, huh, I'm curious to hear from, from you and your experience with that. So yeah, from, I was a pastor's kid, um, but it's, it's weird because when I was two years old in Korea, I was born in Korea. When I was two years old, my father left Korea to come to the United States. He got a scholarship to study at Gordon. You know, mm, at that time mm. it was Gordon Divinity School. Mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. it's Gordon Conwell yeah. uh, Theological Seminary. Yeah. <clears throat> but he got a scholarship to study th- there. 
And so that was 1966, 67. Mm. He left 66 December and arrived 1967 January mm. in the United States. And um, so for five years, so it yeah. wasn't until I was age seven that mm -hmm. I came to the United States. Mm -hmm. So my father was a bit of a stranger in the beginning. Mm. So when I started my life as a PK, well, mm -hmm. he, he started, he got ordained in the United States. He, he, got, he started the first Korean church of New Jersey, yeah. where Korean churches were just the name. I mean, he, he was the first Korean church of New yeah. Jersey. So it's very raw, right? It's a truly an immigrant church, beginning of the mm -hmm. immigrant church in mm -hmm. New Jersey. There was mm -hmm. a few churches in New York. And, but um, so, um, adjusting to life as a past pastor's kid mm, with mm, a mm. father who I didn't know, mm. <laughs> you know, uh, for five years of my life, you know, so mm, mm. You know, when, when he left, I was two. So it's like I grew up wow. for seven years without knowing my father. Wow. Right. So, so that was an adjustment. Yeah. Uh, I used to call him Ajishi, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> you know, or yeah. that's what I, I yeah. heard. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, yeah, so you know, my dad and I, we we had had a little difficulty seeing things eye to eye, and mm. so growing up, you know, I went through the typical identity crisis of um, I wanting to be more American. Mm. You know, so my mm. school life was more American, my church life was more Korean, mm. and so as a young kid, I wanted to assimilate more. So I wanted to be more Americanized, and the Koreanness of the Korean church, mm. I. You know, I had, I had a, you know, I was not an outward rebel, but I was a quiet rebel. So mm. in my heart, I would say, you know, I had my own religious experience from yeah. uh, when I was 13. I accepted Christ at a retreat, <laughs> you know, things like mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. um, and then I was very touched by some of the things I saw in the Korean church. Mm. Uh, I would mm. say particularly the prayers of yeah. the Sanims, the yeah. older ladies. Yeah. The hymn singing mm. had a big impression on me still yes. to this day. You know, yes. I could hear the singing in the church, yeah. very robust yeah. hymn singing, yeah. uh, very fervent praying. Mm. Uh, so there was some deep spiritual roots that were planted that mm. way. Mm. But, you know, growing in America, I just wanted to fit in. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, come, I came from a very conservative Presbyterian denomination called Goshin. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, um, you know, who, which I really... Now I respect their history and just my roots there. But when I was growing up, I, I used to say, jokingly say, it's, Goshin is Goseng and Gojip, <laughs> which if for <laughs> non-Korean speakers, <laughs> Goseng means suffering, because yeah. Goshin came from a line of martyrs, hmm. so people who put their life on the line and suffered for the sake of the gospel, wow. which is a beautiful thing. But you know, so I came from a tradition where you be faithful unto death and so mm. go against the world and, mm. you know, very separatist in many ways, very mm. Sabbatarian. And mm. We don't do anything on Sundays mm. that, you know, requires paying money. And so, uh, you know, so I grew, grew up in that kind of strict, uh, almost, you know, like a Presbyterian fundamentalism. Mm. Um, and also, Gojib is like, you know, that kind of beautiful faith which would stand against persecution, um, you know, in what I say, in peacetime, if you have a wartime mentality, mm. in wartime, that kind of mentality is very good when you're mm. battling mm. the forces of evil, so to speak. But mm. in, during peacetime, like in church presbyteries and, um, and so forth, yeah. if you have that same, mm. you know, conviction mentality mm -hmm. without any kind of grace to people who might differ with you, mm. 
you know, it created a kind of a stubborn attitude. Hmm. Just any, you know, within our PCA, we can deal with that as well, where mm-hmm. conviction is good, mm-hmm. but then, you know, being as a, the first moderator, uh, G.I. Will, uh, I forget his full name, Williamson, mm-hmm. Elder Williamson, he, he gave the first speech. He says, you know, we believe in absolutes, but we shouldn't be absolute, we shouldn't have an absolutist mentality about everything, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. In a sense, um, if you have that, then you become you're you're more stubborn than conviction, mm. convictional. Hmm. And so that was the mixture okay. of my background. So when I was in high school and all the way up to college, I rededicated my life to Christ when I was a senior in college. Hmm. And before that, I was I was a double-minded Christian. Hmm. I was a pastor's kid. Outwardly, I looked you know like a nice kid, but inwardly, you know. I was uh, double-minded, mm. you know. I, I was not a faithful Christian. Mm. I was uh, <clears throat> a quiet rebel. I don't want to put all my sins on <laughs> from those days on, on mm. tape here. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I did li- live a, a rebellious life actually mm. in high school. Mm. But it was more of a quiet rebellion where I was mm. doing a lot of things with normal mm. American mm. kids do. Mm. It's just that. Uh, but you know, I was a good student, and I looked like a good kid, and acted like a good kid. But inside, I was a rebel mm. against God. Um, mm. And so, and with my parents, um, I grew up, you know, like uh, being in the Korean church. And to be honest, really, uh, there was beautiful things in it. But also, I saw a lot of the the messiness, sure. you know, firsthand as a pastor's kid. I saw my dad attacked by the elders. Yeah. I saw my father's own you know he's a human being so i didn't know all the struggles of the immigrant church even mm-hmm. though in reflection my father led a really beautiful ministry in life mm-hmm. you know in mm-hmm. helping people and he was almost like a social worker mm-hmm. but then you know as a kid you're like he's away all the time on visitation he's helping mm-hmm. all these people and so you know my thing is oh, he's not here for our family and mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. there was a lot of that so when I was in, uh, when I was younger, I had a lot of issues with my father, mm-hmm. as many mm-hmm. Korean Americans do. You know, yeah. we had a disconnect and had a pretty bad relationship. Mm. And uh, it wasn't until after I rededicated my life to Christ in my uh, senior year in college mm. that God led me to try to reconcile with my dad mm. uh, by forgiving him of things that I felt like he wronged me in, and mm. and, and it was a. You know, now, like my father and I, I mean, you know, we still have our strained areas where we miscommunicate. But, uh, you know, when I, when he retired from ministry, he, uh, him and my mom, they decided to live closer to me. And uh, when I was in Maryland and then when I moved down to Georgia, they followed along. They live about two miles away from me. And so, you know, mm-hmm. like that's in hindsight, that's kind of amazing mm-hmm. that that there's been that healing in our relationship hmm. from the earlier years when, you know, to be honest, I mean, um, I had a lot of animosity uh, to my father sometimes at the way he treated me and, mm-hmm. and, um, but, and was not able to see uh, some of the struggles that he was going through in the mm-hmm. immigrant church mm-hmm. and the church split a couple of times and a lot of um, mm-hmm. issues mm-hmm. in the Korean church. So. Yeah. But in, in looking back, I would say, you know, the, I, I, can, I see the beauty of the Korean church. And that's, you know, if, you, mm. if people know me from my interests, I have a real interest in Korean church history. Mm-hmm. And it's because actually my own family history that th- there's a 
there's a certain beauty in the Korean church that I think second-gen people sometimes really miss. Mm. I mean, I think just uh, in the general public, we miss because mm. it's not spoken about a lot. Mm-hmm, But mm-hmm, second-gen, mm-hmm. we're sort of the product of all the messiness of the Korean church. Mm. So a lot of times when we think about the Korean church, that's just like a lot of baggage. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Korean church, yeah. oh, the KM pastors. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I have those stories too. Mm-hmm. Sure. But what's sort of given me that resilience in ministry, I would say, is... actually getting a taste through my parents, through Mm. my tradition of this beautiful, convictional uh, Christianity that um, it's like I couldn't explain it. Mm -hmm. Like, where did this come from? Where did this kind of faith (laughs) come from? And it was like, you know, um, I think in many ways, Korean church with people like... uh, Yesterday, I gave a sermon on... using the illustration of uh, Son Yang-won Moksanim, mm. Reverend Yang-won Son, mm. who ministered to lepers, and he, mm, mm. he refused to bow down to the Japanese shrine, and he was imprisoned. You know, he was sentenced. Uh, you know, in the end, he ended up being sentenced to life, but he got freed when the war ended with the Japanese. And then he, you know, under the communists, his two sons got killed, and... And he adopted the the murderer, the communist murderer. I was going to ask you if that's Uh, the same guy. Hmm. Yeah. Amazing. And then he decided to stay with the lepers when the communists came and he got killed in in the communist regime. Mm -hmm. And so, but his his life story, I I really encourage people to study him. It's like... It needs to be a movie. It's it's one where, you know, there's some people's nice or, you know, like, goodness, like, or, uh, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. the spirit wrought goodness, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, that's so nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> His kind of goodness, or like the display of grace, it's yeah. so radical. It's beyond the common grace. It's like, yeah. it's like a soul jolting. Mm. It's not this kind of warm, fuzzy feeling. It's like almost like, like bordering on, I don't even want to say, because it's like, It's almost like when people, like, if you understand Christ died for sinners, Mm -hmm. you know, if you think, God, why these sinners? (laughs) You know, sometimes we like to think of the goodness of man, but if you actually truly understand sin, it's like, why? And then you go, oh, you know, you understand the the love, powerful love of God. But like, you know, we almost think God should forgive and, you know, he's almost required to forgive us. Yeah. But like when you understand the amazing nature, there's there's this kind of, amazing grace uh, and like this guy's life it's uh yesterday i was listening to the testimony mm. <clears throat> of uh reverend son's daughter mm. who was 70 years old there's actually a video clip wow. on youtube and um yeah just hearing her testimony and how she really went again she was a pk right so imagine <laughs> this <laughs> everybody with a pk problem <laughs> imagine this your dad goes to prison for five years All he has to do is bow down to a shrine mm. and he could be home with you. Mm. And you're upset that he's in prison away from you. Mm. He comes back out of prison and your two brothers get killed and you have to go see their bloody bruise and bullet ridden bodies. Mm. And she's probably, you know, maybe close to, you know, she's older. She's like 30, 20, older 20s or 30s. I can't remember exactly mm. her age mm. at that time. Mm. But then you want to kill the murderer (laughs) 
with your bare hands. She actually says that. I want to kill. I wanted to kill him when they caught the, the murderer, the communist kid. Went to kill him with her bare hands, and then mm -hmm. her father says, "Send a message to them that I want to adopt this child <laughs> or this youth. Don't kill him, and you have to be the one to bring that news." It's crazy. And you're like, "You could forgive him, Dad, but uh, don't adopt him. I have to be. <laughs> I have to call him Oppa. <laughs> you know, like so. How? Um, yeah. And then you know she changed too, and. Uh, that was a, a amazing transformation. Hmm. But, uh, you know, stories like that wow. for yeah. me. You know, I heard them growing up, but it's it's one that roots me. Um, yes, I mean, as bad as sometimes, you know, different challenges in ministry that I've experienced too. Uh, <clears throat> but hmm. compared to those those things, it's just my my <laughs> problems are small. <laughs> for yeah. sure. Yeah. But anyway, in, in response to that, it's like you know, I, I'm I'm really grateful to be a pastor's kid. Hmm. Uh, I must say that, and I would say it this way: that with my children, um, none of them right now are on the road to ministry, full time ministry or things like that. But if one of my children wanted to be in the ministry, as much as I know the ministry can be difficult, I, I would consider it with great joy uh, that. Um, my children, uh, not because I said so, but if they have the calling from God mm. to go into ministry, that mm. I, I would consider it a great joy. Mm. Uh, even forsaking, you know, sort of the all the privileges and, mm. and you know benefits of mm. getting a high-paying job or whatever, mm. you know, mm. that I would, I would, um, I would celebrate that, mm. Mm. you know, and I, I yeah. genuinely mean that. And so, as much as for me, you know. There were difficulties in being mm. a pastor's kid, and uh, growing up, definitely, I did not know, you know, all those things. But mm. you know, and I did things like I was like, you know, helping to clean the church, mm. you know, things like that. And we literally lived inside the church, mm. like our home. We used to live in an apartment, but once the church rebuilt mm. uh, their sanctuary, on the third floor of the church, they built the pastor's residence. Mm. So I lived yeah. in the church, yeah. you know, for a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where are your? Uh, are you an empty nester now? Are they all out in yeah. college doing their own thing? Four one kids, got married. One, one left. Yeah, one. My last youngest one is uh, is sixteen years old. He's okay, a junior. Okay, so he's still. Yeah, okay. so a year and a half, he'll be out of the house as well. Okay. So okay. we're on our way gotcha. to be empty nesters. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where, where do they go to church in terms of like? Uh, are they are they all attending your church or where are they? Uh, my children, yeah. So my oldest, he's in Colorado. Uh, okay. He attends a PCA church in Fort Collins. He, okay. He's an engineer, uh, electrical engineer uh, with AMD, and so um, <clears throat> he's doing very well. And mm. but yeah, so he's gone to PCA churches, uh, you know, upon my encouragement. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> but. Um, and then my daughter, uh, who just got married this yeah, summer, yeah, yeah. So she was 22 years old, got married right out of college, wow. and she's doing her graduate work at Vanderbilt right now in education. And uh, her and her husband attend the PCA church as well, like a downtown okay. Nashville. Um, okay. And I Is forget it? the exact name of the church. Uh, oh, it's not. It's church? not Covenant. Oh, okay. No, not not that one. Okay. Okay. But, um, yeah, so I think that's a PCA church as well. And uh, my 
third child, daughter, uh, she's at Cambridge at MIT, and uh, got a shout out. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she's, she was attending a PCA church, but um, she's considering checking out some other churches. Because okay. I think, you know, sometimes, you know, as Asian Americans, there are situations oh. where, you know, um, finding community and fit yeah. as much as you can agree with sort of doctrinally that you need to find oh, yeah. the place where you also, uh, you know, feel at home. Yeah, for sure. You know? so, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And your youngest goes to Grace. Yes, he attends Grace. Yeah. And so he's one of our three youth group members. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, nice. We only have three. Yeah. Nice. That's great. I, yeah, I'm always just thankful to, you know, um, hear stories, encounter people, uh, especially PKs who remain in the church, uh, maybe even love the church, and have children who are also devoted to the church. So, like in your case, you know, you being a PK and, and you being in ministry, your children um, s- remaining in the faith, <laughs> committed to the church. I think that's just, I don't know, I guess it's because it's not always that common to, to encounter those stories. So it is yeah. encouraging to... Yeah, and I, I, would, I would make a plug that as, as much as, you know, our church we is 10 years old and mm-hmm, we incorporated mm-hmm. um, covenant worship where, yeah. and part of it is because we couldn't run a children's program, you know, so practically we, we had to worship all together yeah. and that's uh, my assistant pastor, Eddie Lim, and I, it's our convic- that's one of our core convictions, you know, mm-hmm. the, sort of the reformed faith and covenantal view of the church and, and so, um, yeah. Yeah. you know, We've had our children, in the, and for my children especially, because I'm the oldest one in the church, and so our kids are the oldest kids in the church, yeah. and so they never grew up in at least the particular church that we're in now. Mm. They didn't grow up with... Uh, I mean, there was a, a couple of people who were friends that came and were peers, but for the most part, they never grew up with a youth group and you know, kind of a vibrant youth group mm. or something mm. like that, and mm. so they had to be sort of in this family church, mm. right? Their, mm. their parents' family church. And so I, I did worry because mm. there's something good about being part of a vibrant youth group and, mm. and so forth. And so I did worry for them, right? Mm. And, uh, mm. But the way they turned out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I must say that yeah. like, it, it really speaks to, like as someone said, you know, what, one of the biggest factors of someone... Um, remaining in the faith in the long run is not necessarily they were part of a vibrant youth group, even though that, that experience would be great to yeah. have, that it is actually having a stable family, yes. a family who modeled faith. Yes. And, and the other is just that, they, that when they're in the church, that they're really part of the church. Mm. And so even though, yeah, I mean, some of it, it wasn't really contextualized for them, and you know, they had to sit through a lot of boring things, so to speak, from mm-hmm. the perspective of the youth. Mm. Um, you know, one of the things I, I say to people in parenting, and one of the big parenting advice is, you know, um, if, if you're parenting, trying to keep your kids from boredom, I think that's one of the biggest mistakes, because you're trying to always entertain them or stimulate them. And I think churches are almost like they're trying to meet the needs of youth and they're almost overstimulating them. Mm. I mean, we're already overstimulated with yeah. phones and media yeah. and stuff. Yeah. But like, I actually think it's, uh, you know, it's not like we want to bore kids and everything. Yeah. But 
like being bored is never an acceptable state to say oh you're bored we got to entertain you mm, mm, mm-hmm. it's like oh you're bored let's give you mm-hmm. some <laughs> some work yeah, to do <laughs> sure you yeah, know and yeah. so um yeah so i think that's one of the things like in our house and particularly my wife i mean there were a couple of things you could not say in our house mm, you know mm. one was i'm bored because mm. you say you're bored you got to do some yard work <laughs> 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 oh you got nothing to do go go do some yard work <laughs> so no my kids never would say they're bored you know they would <laughs> They would find the book to read. They would do something productive yeah. on their own, <laughs> right? And just, so, just to avoid the chores. Yeah. I, I would say, getting a, a child to handle boredom by being creative mm. is is actually one of the best things you can do for a child. Mm-hmm. Don't entertain them in their boredom, or don't over entertain them. I mean, there are times, I mean, yeah. you know, to have entertainment, have fun, yeah. I mean, definitely. Yeah. There's a place for that. And, yeah. but like, if you're, if your motive is just to constantly entertain your kids right. and not right. understand that if they can't handle boredom yeah. on their own and then yeah. find something like, you know, find the book to read, find yeah. their own creative ways, other than just like right. overstimulating themselves yeah. that, um, and I think our, our children, that's how they were raised, yeah. uh, credit to my wife particularly. Mm. Uh, but that really helped them in an odd way, I mean, I, which I felt bad for them, but that made them actually be able to be very mature. And mm-hmm. in, their, in their, you know, when, when they went to college, they looked for, mm. and now they could actually have peer groups. Mm. So when they had mm-hmm. peer groups, they could function within that peer group, mm. but then and they could have fun, you know, but yeah. they were more of the mature ones. Yeah. And so, Earlier on, they all became somewhat of a leader. Like mm. they became Bible study leaders, small group leaders in their college fellowships, mm, mm. and and so they they enjoyed that. Oh, now I get to hang out with my peers, yeah, 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 right? But yeah. they weren't captive to that, mm. right? They weren't. Yeah. So that's what I felt, and that's good. And so <clears throat> I would say, you know, uh, I worried about them. You know, like oh, they were in the parents' church. Now they're on their own. They can just mm. kind of do their own thing mm. but I do think um, you know again credit to my wife that we we laid a, a certain foundation yeah and obviously that doesn't always guarantee you sure know, the kids would turn sure. out a certain way sure but um, yeah I mean th- those were principles we pray we trust God uh, right and right. but our job is to uh, you know a couple of you know we're, we're, we're not the law right so sure sure <laughs> We yeah. are a creature under God. Yeah. That was the number one thing. Mm. And uh, uh, when you're bored, mm. do something creative. Pick mm. up a book, you know, go mm-hmm. do some work. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, that's good. Don't, don't overstimulate boredom. Yeah I, yeah. yeah, I totally agree. I think along those lines, something we're trying to do with our kids is um, reiterating for them that you can do hard things. That's, yes. It's hard. A great hard. book, by the way, that book, Do Hard Things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It is hard. I, 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 yeah. I give you that. But you, you can do this. Yeah. And even as you do it, you feel like this is hard. That's part of growing up and that's part of life. It's not wrong to experience hard things and do hard things. You can do it. You can yes. do hard things. Um, and it starts with the smallest things. Um, so Owen is very self-sufficient. He can just read books 
in his room by himself all day to a point where the social interaction is just something he doesn't feel the need for. And, and it's kind of difficult for him to yeah. intentionally, if there's a guest at home, yeah. to engage in conversation. So right. Just even the most basic kind of casual conversation. It, that's hard for him. Um, so we kind of have to encourage him if, we, if we're having a guest over. Hey, Owen, I want to encourage you to just, just. It's hard for have, most kids. <laughs> have, yeah, just have three questions in mind. Yeah. That you want to talk to that person about. It could be something you're interested in. Yeah. But three questions. Um, mm. Whereas for Soli, she's very social. Mm-hmm. Uh, she loves interacting with people. She's not good at being alone. Doing yeah, things alone—that's yeah. really hard for her. Right, right. And so we're 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 prescribing different things for each yeah, child, right? Because different things are hard for each of them, you know. But either way, that's a re- we're really saying, good point because you know you yeah. can't force. I mean, uh, each personality is different, yeah. you know. And yeah. So, yeah. And you you seem to have great kids. I mean, the <laughs> Owen is like, uh, yeah, his little speech about yeah. <laughs> the Korean veterans, you know, that I heard on yeah on tape. You yeah, know, that's, that yeah, was, that was sweet. Um, really nice. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I appreciated that and them giving him uh, the stage and the yeah. uh, getting to share about the Korean War veterans. And I actually met a Korean War veteran at the event okay. uh, at the Perimeter Church Veterans Day event, and um, that was special. Hmm. So I walked up to him with Owen, and I said, um, "I wanted to thank you and let you know that I'm I immigrated here from Korea, and my son was born here." And we're thankful for all the efforts of the, our veterans in the Korean War. And um, he, he had a twinkle in his eye. Because I don't know how many uh, Korean immigrants he encounters in Johns Creek, like personally. But yeah. <laughs> I wanted to walk up to him and let him know. <laughs> I'm, I'm in a sense a product of that effort. And yeah. uh, really yeah. wanted to thank him. Um, but so, so speaking of like your church... It recently particularized. Yes. You have ruling elders uh, serving right. with two, you. Two ruling elders. Yeah. yeah. So, so what's that been like? I mean, it hasn't been that long, <laughs> but just, I mean, what's, what yeah. has been the difference now that you guys are a particularized church and yeah, you have more elders? Yeah, uh, it's definitely a growing process. Yeah. I mean, it, it changes uh, the nature of our church. And so for the mm. good, uh, you mm. know, but mm. it also provides some challenges because mm. like for 10 years... And I've told this to our ruling elders, you know, we, you got to give us some slack <laughs> to the pastors, you know, because mm. we've been, uh, my assistant pastor and I, we've been sort of functioning as a team leaders and for yeah. 10 years. Wow. And there are reasons for why we waited so long, um, you know, and you can say it's been, we should have done earlier, or maybe you can say, you know, we should have done the, uh, the process longer. I mean, there's, you know, our church... Um, but I think it was the right time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, you know, one of the things I shared to the elders is like, you know, the pastors have been sort of governing the church and doing pretty much, we did everything, you yeah. know, most everything with the help of our wives and some of the key people that were there. But, uh, but there was a lot in the hands of the pastors and uh, some of it, which I would not encourage, you know, church planners to do, but that's mm. the, that was our, our church. Mm. Okay. That's mm. how we started. Mm. And, um, you know, I didn't want to ask someone to do something that, you know, my style of leadership, which, uh, I don't want to ask someone to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. Mm. So, and I, you know, 
I don't like asking people for help, so I end up doing a lot of stuff on my own, <laughs> which is not a great thing. It's my mm. big weakness in leadership. Mm. Uh, but you know, I ended up doing a lot of stuff and being part of a lot. Of, so I told the elders that you know we're you know we're gonna this is our leadership now. This is our decision making body. You know, you have you can fire me, right? You can get on the path to fire me, right? So they have the authority, you know, uh, to at least to proceed with the process, right? Um, but like I said, you know, as much as our the pastors want to work together and we want to be team, share with you, get you know, fill you in on everything, and mm-hmm. we we are together as a session. But we're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you as elders going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. We as pastors, we're going to make some mistakes as we go forward, so, and you have the right to point that out. Mm. And we, we need to point that out, but mm. uh, we need to also, at the same time, know that this has been a pattern for 10 years, and mm. some of the habits <laughs> that mm. we have of having sort of, you know, the pastors having so much autonomy, mm-hmm. you know, over things mm-hmm. like the budget or things like, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like, particularly over the finances and just decision-making over yeah. the programming of the church and, or what we do in the church, that um, it's sort of our, been our instinct to kind of to do that by nature. Mm. So we might make some mistakes where the, we might not inform the elders when we enact something, right? Uh, oh, we forgot. Mm. We, you know, mm. oh, we've, we've got elders. We've got to get this approved. Yeah. Or, right. You know, so, you know, yeah. and so there have been some hiccups, mm. you know, even, even the first year, right? I mean, mm. there's going to sure. be a little bit of hiccups, but... Sure. But we have very teachable elders and uh, very willing uh, elders, but uh, who, who are willing to, and we've given them, you know, they don't need our permission, but, you know, they have the right and our yeah. permission to speak, you know, I'm much older than them, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, to speak into our lives and, yeah. and, and uh, even mm. to be critical. Mm. Um, you know, it's not so, it's not always easy to hear those things, Sure. you know, so... Uh, in in some ways, you know, it's always easy to. It, it's tough to do things on your own, but it's sometimes easy. Yeah, you know, right. Having right. a great team is good, but yeah. it also provides challenging and coordinating yeah. everybody, getting everybody on the same yeah. page. Yeah, and so we're learning that. Yeah, and so we're still in that growing stage. Mm. But mm. Uh, we, I do believe, we have uh, two good men who are willing to learn, mm. uh, who are mm. teachable, but also willing to speak truthfully. Mm. You know, mm. Um, mm. and. You know, they're not just, you know, yes people. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, you know, that's great. Yeah, I think that's really that. The great part about that is just yeah, that in, invitation to speak freely, um, even as you grow together, inviting that. And like you said, sometimes it is difficult to like, even if it is like constructive feedback that's even even spoken gently. That's never just easy to hear. But but just inviting that, I think that's wonderful and creating space for that. I think that's that's a really like healthy thing. Um, yeah, you can awesome. get back to me about a year and maybe I'll have a different story. <laughs> I don't know. But <laughs> so far, yeah. I think it's going well. Yeah, uh, and it's great. I think, uh, yeah, and, and we're looking to try to add to our leadership. Mm. And, and I think just, I think in one of your previous podcasts, you, you talked about officers, electing yes. officers. Yeah. And <clears throat> I do agree that for the future, I mean, uh, I know that there's always like church problems with, leadership and elders and pastors and it could be a source of problems but mm-hmm. and and that the danger is always there almost like in marriage too i mean you could have conflicts you know but like the benefits right mm-hmm. the benefits mm-hmm. of being married the benefits of having an eldership yeah uh and i would i would 
make the case that probably the biggest issue for the EM in the future, mm. as we go forward from now into the future, is that can we move into a healthy eldership? Mm. You know, can you know raising up pastors yeah. is a is a very important thing, and that's been the focus for the, for the past few decades. Mm. But mm. I think now a lot of churches are. are Dealing with how do we raise up like lay leaders? Yeah. How do we be a session of equals, mm-hmm. and not just they're the functional committee heads, you know, right, right. but they're actually fellow leaders? Yeah. And uh, how do we build that mentality of mm-hmm. people where pastors who are, you know, for me, I was always used to pastoring people who are younger than me, mm-hmm. and still now I'm the oldest person in my church, so mm-hmm. they're not my peers in terms of my age. Yeah. But now they're my peers in terms of our, our eldership, mm-hmm, right? And mm-hmm. so, uh, how does an elder feel like they're yeah. they could speak as equals to a pastor who they looked up to, like as a you know right. almost like a father figure? Yeah. You know, it's uh, those are some of the challenges. And mm. if, if we navigated well, mm. I believe we would have healthier churches and healthier pastors. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. but. If we don't navigate this well, you know, there's yeah. it's going to be messy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gonna, yeah. yeah. So as a as a particular church now, you're 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 not part of like a KM or e, kind of EM kind of context. I'm curious for, to hear from you, kind of your experience the past ten years, um, what that has been like, because you also have experience in being in the EM context too. Yeah, um, just that contrast, and I also talk to other guys, maybe younger guys who uh, planted more of a second gen church, yeah, Asian American church. So uh, we we chat now and then, um, talk about our experiences, and it's interesting because um, I guess I'm in the multicultural context in the sense that there's KM and EM. Right, they're in a more monocultural context where. They see more eye to in the more immediate cultural sense, right. language, maybe demographic and whatnot. But it's interesting because they share a lot about the challenges they have in the monocultural kind yeah. of context. Uh, it's not as though there are no challenges. And I'm wondering like whether, whether you see the similar kind of pattern where um, I'm sure there are pluses and minuses in both, but kind of what you see in terms of the contrast. Yeah, so yeah. in our church, this is a very important issue because, um, um, you know, I, I try to, it's, I think I borrowed it from slightly different context from what I learned from Randy Pope, right? Mm-hmm. So he, he talked about this idea of home and idea of mission, right? Mm-hmm. So I use those words like, you know, a church should be a place where you feel like you belong, right? Mm-hmm. A sense of community, sense mm-hmm. of home, mm-hmm. like, so if I go to a church and I always feel like a foreigner, I always feel like an outsider or perpetual outsider, you know, like a lot of Korean American, Asian Americans feel that way mm. when they go to church there. Oh, are you new here? You know, like two years into the church. You know? mm, mm. Uh, and so they can feel like a perpetual outsider in some context. And so the desire to be, have a sense of home, but then that has to be sort of balanced with the desire, the, what actually a church is. It's a home with a mission, mm. Right. And that mission is to, in our in our words that we use, is to gather a scattered people, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, to become a, a in, into a church community of kingdom-minded disciples. Mm-hmm. That's our mission statement, you know. And so, the idea of uh, is it wrong to want to be in a church where you feel comfortable, 
culturally, it's not wrong. Mm-hmm. But do you only want to be comfortable? Mm. I think that's wrong. Mm. You go to a church, oh, these people aren't like me. Then you just leave. Mm. You know, it's like, uh, I, I would say this is one of the dangers of having youth group oriented church or youth mm. group, college group, young adults. I call it compartmentalized church. Almost all of us were raised in yeah. this kind of model. Yeah. Which means we don't know how to worship with people not like us, mm. right? Des- mm. Desiring to worship with people like you is one thing, but that's all you want, mm. you know, that's a click, right? you know? And so that's always the balance where mm. we, want to be a tr- we want to be a church that's open, a church by its definition is, should be open to everybody, Yeah. right? Yeah. But a church too, in, in, in the human form, <laughs> is always going to take on a cultural particularity. Sure, yeah. Because someone has to be the leader. Someone right. has to be right. the secondary leaders. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. And you got to pick a style of music. You got to pick a style right. of furniture. Yeah, yeah. You know? And food styles. And, yeah. and you can try to, you know, have this multicultural. But even that, right? That's a culture too. Sure. Like, what is multiculture, you know? Sure. Uh, so you do have to make decisions about right. things to reach people. Right. And someone's going to feel comfortable with it. Someone's going to be uncomfortable with it, you know? And so one of the ways I've, I've stated it, and it's sort of negative, so I want to find the positive way to spin this, but I said, if you, if you don't like Asi- Korean people or Asian people, because we're mostly Korean and Asian, uh, not everybody, we have a, but <clears throat> we have an African-American member and... Uh, but like, so uh, if you don't like Korean people, Asian people, you won't like our church because we have a lot of them. Yeah. You know, we have two leaders who are Korean-American. But if you only want to be with Korean people or Asian people, you won't like our church either because yeah. that's not what we are about. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're not a Korean church in that sense. Yeah. We're church. We're a Presbyterian church. You know, what, what differentiates us is our convictions, is our theology. And the culture is just, that's part of life, yeah. right? That's important. But, and there's a place we do emphasize it because that's who we are, and I'll, I'll bring it up. But it's, um, it's, a, it's, the, it's our contextualized thing, but it's mm. not the core thing. It's not the thing that makes, defines who we are. Mm. And so that's, that's where I think for our church, there are people who come from like very Koreanized yeah. churches. Yeah. They're English speaking. They come to our church, and it's not Korean enough. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like too. Uh-huh. I don't know. It's too different. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. and so uh, we've had some people who come and go uh, who mm. didn't find our church Korean enough. Mm. You know, and it's not because they're not Koreans. It's just the style, yeah. or they're not used to kids, and there's not people exactly their age. You know. And, yeah. Uh, they don't know how to worship with people who are different, mm. you know, and so, mm. and I think that that's been one of our core values as well. Having the yeah. kids and having the kids in there, that by nature, yeah, you're not worshiping in a comfortable place where yeah. everybody's like yourself, right? Right. right. So we tolerate some uncomfort <laughs> or yeah. discomfort, right? Yeah. yeah. Crying babies right. or their kids, they're you know like uh, you know, and it's and it's hard. Like and some of the kids, you know, they don't, you know, they don't know. Or we design our service for adults actually mm-hmm. and hope that kids grow into it and mm-hmm. we're trying to bring in some elements to make the kids mm. 
know that they're we recognize them. Mm. Do you guys dismiss them during the sermon for no, children's they lesson? They stay for the whole sermon. Yeah, they stay and wow. sleep. <laughs> 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 If you plan it right, that they're nap time. We're conditioning them to sleep during the sermon. <laughs> I kind of jokingly say that, but uh, I I actually was like the because uh, when I was growing up, I I uh, they my parents' church, my father's church had the youth sit mm. in the front row, mm. and every time. The long prayer of the elder, followed by the <laughs> preaching, I would just fall asleep, you know. And so I call it. I was all the other kids are fooling around, and I was yeah. doing my holy nap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and there is there is a drawback. To, some kids actually do sleep during that time, and <laughs> if, with parents with young kids, if they if they're smart, they would plan their nap around that time <laughs> when the sermon is going on. <laughs> Um, That's hilarious. Yeah, we do have a cry room. We have mm. a place where, with mm. video and mm -hmm. uh, the sound, mm. that mm. they can go. And if their kids are getting a little unruly, mm -hmm. but we do tolerate a, a good amount of uh, mm. crying. We don't, mm. you know, hey, shh, get out of yeah. here, you know, type yeah. of thing. We, we do welcome <laughs> parents to have their kids, and mm. you know, kindly say, you know, if they get a little yeah. loud, please, uh, there's sure. a cry room. Yeah. Um, you know, are we doing it the best? Uh, there's so much, so many things we could do better, mm. but our commitment has been unshaken. Mm. You know, because there are people who come to our church and say, "Oh, you know, they don't know how to kick. You know, mm. their kids mm. don't like it, or whatever." Mm. And they, mm. they, uh, but they're the people who are with us. They actually, that's a part they've actually mm. gotten used to, mm. and uh, for the most part, I think it's been it's been helpful. Mm. And the kids, you know, you'll be amazed. I, I would say yeah. the kids learning that style. Yeah. Even sitting through a pretty our service is about an hour and a half long. Right, mm -hmm. and going back to that boredom thing. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. And I think part of ha my kids being so sort of well behaved, or mm -hmm. like, um, you know, and my kids are more quieter. You know, like my assistant pastor's kids. He's got. Yeah, more mm -hmm. rambunctious kids, but you know, mm -hmm. I observe them, and you know, sometimes they're a little rowdy. But he's done a good job that during the service, that even yeah. these like very, uh, you know, they're more energetic yeah. kids, yeah. and they've learned mm -hmm. to sit and they listen. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and my kids when they were younger too, they they were listening enough to pick out all my mistakes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, all my grammatical mistakes mm -hmm. they point mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so they they're picking That's up. Things that, even though when they look like they're not paying attention, they they are listening and picking up, and yeah. <clears throat> so I would encourage pastors uh, to stick with it in that way. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you can figure out different mm. ways, um, mm. you know, dismissing them for Sunday sermon. But we had right. such a small church that right, right. Uh, someone have to lead them, and right, so right. Um, yeah. And we just gotten used to it now that we just yeah. have them all together. Yeah, and um, it's almost like that's part of. Their education, yeah. you know, yeah. and maybe you can call it. Oh, it's big by being bored. But <laughs> you know what yeah. I said before. I mean, it's not like we're trying to bo intentionally bore them. But the more they get used to, oh, you know, like being in adult service mm -hmm. is not an unusual thing for me. And mm -hmm, so once mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. later on pick it up, mm -hmm. you know, and they and yeah. they're more likely, I would say. Yeah. And I'm not saying this is the absolute. I mean, th this can. It's it's not it doesn't work in every case. We've had mm -hmm. families and children that yeah. you know haven't benefited from it from it, and sure. you know you can say our church has not succeeded mm -hmm. um, with every family. But um, 
we do believe uh, this is sort of a missing component in this day and age that sure. uh, having a covenantal church yeah. more than a compartmentalized church. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's helpful because uh, I, I, I hear what you're saying in that comfort factor. Yeah. Um, it's It's like, I think we... In some ways, I think there there are uh, church plants that want to, they're, they're kind of responding in a sense to the discomfort that yeah. that's been there for so long in yeah. the in the in the immigrant church context. Right. And I think there is a good measure of freedom and even efficiency, yeah. effectiveness to being with like-minded people. Um, and then I think the challenge is then quickly anchoring them yeah. to the mission. Yeah. of being all things to all people. Um, it's like Jews and Gentiles, that same old kind of yeah. uh, tension. How do you ground them in that? Because I, 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 I do celebrate it whenever I see like these Asian American churches growing or planted. I think it's a great thing. I think Me too. whenever, yeah, churches yeah. are planted, it's great. Yeah. Um, and then sowing into that, um, uh, that missional heart. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Planting is great, but, you know, but also planting uh, churches that um, would last. Yes. Because right? I've been part of a church plant uh, that failed within a year. Mm. And so that was one of the real challenges, probably mm. maybe mm. my biggest challenge in mm. ministry mm. or church plant that first six months looked like, why didn't we do this earlier? It was like, um, mm. it was great, you know first six months and then the last six months it just imploded mm. super fast and <clears throat> there was a couple of things I gleaned from that uh, that was in Maryland and um, one is uh, uh, you know I'm not a superstar <laughs> and the other uh, is that that just because people agree with you right or there's a couple of things one is like I didn't know that how much of the unity that we had planting the church actually came from the Korean church. Hmm. And often the critiques that we had through the, so we agreed in the critiques. So when you took out the Korean church, we saw critiques in each other, mm, <laughs> right? Mm, mm. And a lot of times when you plant churches with people who are critical, of, yeah, we don't want to be like that church. Mm. We want to create this ideal church for mm. us. But you don't really have a concrete idea. Right. It's just a negative, I, I right. would call it a negative vision. Sure. And actually, a lot of second generation Korean churches, they have to be really careful mm -hmm. that they don't just plant with a negative vision. Yes. Uh, a reactionary the, right, kind of a reactionary because yeah. you'll find out the people who are reactionary here will turn on each other once the common enemy is gone right um, yeah. you know and so that could happen mm -hmm. um, you know and mm -hmm. you got to assess people too because mm -hmm. you know some people can be very I think I could be critical myself you know so mm -hmm. I have I'm more analytical mm -hmm. I'd rather think it's I'm more analytical than critical but mm -hmm. analytical people mm -hmm. Uh, can be critical people mm. if, if, if given the right context. Mm. 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 Um, so that's one yeah. area. The, you know, the other area is just, um, you know, the resilience, you know, like uh, I think that's one of the big challenges today yeah. for pastors, yeah. you know, um, 
Boy, I mean, that was a real challenge. Mm. You know, after the, that uh, time, uh, you know, it was one of those moments. I mean, you know, there were many moments in my ministry life. I wanted to give up on ministry. Mm. But, um, you know, I think every older generation pastor particularly, you know, had stories. You sure. know, I wanted to quit every Sunday, sure. and that's my story as well. Mm. But, um, yeah, th- that failed church plant in Maryland, uh, in, you know, where it closed in we started in 2003 and then closed 2004. And, uh, you know, ironically, that's how I joined the PCA mm. through that church plant. Because mm. I took a church that was from an independent Presbyterian, you know, they were not denom- non-denominational Presbyterians. And I wanted to join the PCA. And so I planted a church gotcha. with some like-minded people. And first six months, it was going great. And uh, we joined the PCA and the church started to fall apart. And once we started to fall apart, we didn't have the resilience mm. to handle the problem, mm. you know? Mm. It's, mm. And so, mm. and then, so it, it just escalated, mm. you know? Mm. So it's unfortunate. Mm. I learned a lot from it, but yeah. it was painful. Mm. Um, but, you know, so I think that showed we were well-funded. We had like very good leaders, at least capable leaders, but it's it just one that, we weren't used to, uh, you know, h- how to resolve conflicts, mm. you know, when mm. you go into conflicts mm. and mm. just like you said, counseling, your counselor, counseling pastor, <laughs> pastor who counsels. Mm. And I think just how do we work through that yeah. myself yeah. going through that and the leadership yeah. and we were all like in our forties. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. We, it, sh- it should have been better. But maybe I rushed through it. I don't. I don't know. I mean, there's. I haven't done a whole lot of deep dive into this. Uh, what happened? But um, it's something that I would say. Uh, I think my resilience got built through that. Mm. Yeah. But that's when I realized. Oh man, we're just so used to being so compartmentalized, and then sure. we want to do this new thing. But because yeah. that, that's so ingrained into us. Yeah. That we're not used to something different, and yeah, then once yeah. we get challenged, right. your true character kind of comes yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And so I think there's something really encouraging there to uh, whoever's currently maybe going through challenges in the EM context with KM, and maybe just hoping, oh man, it, if only we could leave and be on our own. You know, whoever's feeling that out there, for them yeah. to be reminded, like. Having a track record of conflict resolution, where you are now, yeah, that that, that track record of peacemaking now, yeah, is what's going to feed and nurture your future church, even if you do plant. I, I right. absolutely agree. You, you need to make sure the people who are going with you that if how they resolve, how they deal with conflicts, they're not quick to judge, and yeah. you know, like they're looking for biblical resolution. Yes. Yeah. And you know, and I think planting churches it's it's a wonderful thing. Just yeah. like it's like starting your own family, you know, mm. wanting your own family and mm. um to stand on your own two feet. Mm. Uh, not not mm. out of this rebelliousness, you know, like you know, like but out of maturity. So for me it's like don't target independence. Mm, mm, mm. You have to target maturity. Mm, and mm, you know mm. and when you're mature you will be yes. on your own. Yeah. You you know 
it will, it will happen. But That's good. and good. the more you work it out, and I, I think you know, I, I point to your church, you know, KMEM relationship. Probably what I see in in the Atlanta area is one of the most. At least what I see on the surface, you know, <laughs> you, you can, we're you good, have to we're tell good, me. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> yeah, probably one of the most healthy, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, KMEM yeah. relationships. So I, I'm, I just uh, praise God for that, your church. And, and uh, you know, there's a still, there, there's still um, a lot of hope for the EM. And, yeah. and, you know, EM is by nature, it's a little different because it's, you don't know what the future holds. It could it could look like a lot of different things, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it, there is a little bit of a transitional. Mm-hmm. St- it's a transitional stage mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where you could be a church plant, you could be a duplex model. You can go a lot of yeah. different ways. Yeah, you know one one way is not the only way. Right. Yeah. But uh, it's but it's one where, you know, one of the phrases when I ended up back in a Korean church mm-hmm. <clears throat> that. Um, you know, a phrase like minister to the people in front of you. Like mm-hmm. when you feel like you're in a dead end job, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and there was one situation where in my life where I kind of felt that where mm-hmm. like, I'm like, where's the future in this? And, uh, mm-hmm. but I, you know, but I was serving at a Korean church and, um, you know, the Lord convicted me. Like, there are mm-hmm. people here who need ministry, mm-hmm. you know, don't think about models and, what your future lies. I mean, you could think about that future and everything, yeah. but don't forget to minister to the people right in front of you. Yeah. And as long as there are people in front of you to minister to, right. there's ministry to be done. Yeah. You know, don't let your models or mm. future aspirations get in the way. Mm. I mean, you can mm. consider those things on the back burner, mm-hmm, right? But mm-hmm. if they become so forefront in your mind that you can't serve the people right. who are right there, right. you can't preach to them, you can't counsel them, then uh, then you, you should reevaluate your calling because <laughs> mm-hmm. your calling is not to this wonderful job. Your calling is to yeah. the Lord and to the Lord's right. people. Right. That's yeah. where that common thing um, about the, the difference between the church existing for the pastor versus the pastor being there for the church. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, is the church here to boost my identity and give yeah. me a sense of self-worth? Then I have to I have to make it something dignifying for me or or yeah. you know glorifying for me. I can prop it up and be like, look 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 what I built or yeah. look what I'm capable of. That's when I think it really starts becoming toxic and unhealthy. Um, but yeah, like you said, if I if I'm here for the church, if I'm here to be that small s shepherd um, to do the big s shepherd's work. Then yeah, it's like who's walking through our doors, and do I know them? Do I know their prayers? Um, do I sit with them, listen to their stories, and yeah. and then and then it becomes very day to day. It becomes very, in a sense, mundane or ordinary. Like yeah. it's it's people, it's it's relationships. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong; those models and everything, and, and future like visioning, they they have a place. You know, they mm, definitely, mm. you know, are, should be in our thoughts and yeah. you know. But it's when you get preoccupied mm, by mm, it mm. where you can't you function day to day and be faithful, right? Mm, mm, and mm. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and so forth. And um, I want to pivot just slightly. Yeah. And ask you uh, a question about your spiritual role models. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, yeah, so 
my spiritual role models, uh, most immediately, I would say it's my, my mom hmm. and my wife. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I, I, I would awesome. say actually throughout my life, like flesh and blood people who are right there, I would say the life of uh, faith of my parents, both my parents, you know, but particularly my mother mm. and just her, you know, like there's uh, Christian, Christian character is in this intersection or like this, this kind of weird blending of two things that should not go together, mm. like confidence and humility. Hmm. Right? You can find confident people. You can find humble people who mm. are kind of like, oh, mm -hmm. you know, that doesn't have any confidence. <laughs> but like mm. people who are confident yeah. but humble, yeah. um, you know, like this lion and the lamb kind of mixture. Yes. That, yeah. it's, it's the character of Christ, you know. And, you know, I saw that in my mom, uh, in her spirituality, in her prayers, her sacrifice. Yeah. Uh, you know, I see it in my wife as well, and that's what really attracted me to my wife when we were, you know, we met on the mission field, and uh, <clears throat> I think it was a, like a six or seven week mission, and the last week, you know, all the team was dead tired, and mm -hmm. you know, there were the two pastors. We we used to have morning prayer and morning devotions and team meetings and mm -hmm. uh, in the morning, mm -hmm. and the last was like, you know, towards the end, and we had gone on this long trip and. You know, so the women were staying in one wing of the house and we were in the other wing and mm, mm. and uh, the kitchen sort of, and the bathroom is in the middle. Yeah. So we had canceled morning prayer because like we're all tired. Let's <laughs> everybody <laughs> sleep in. <laughs> but for some reason I had to go to bathroom like six in the morning, right? So I, I woke up to go to the bathroom and then there in the kitchen I, I see my wife like uh, doing her devotions. Mm when all the pastors are sleeping. And the only reason I got up is go to the bathroom. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get up to pray. I was going to go right back to sleep. And I still went back, back to sleep. Oh, you, didn't, even you, didn't, you didn't just show no, her no, you're praying? No, no. <laughs> but I was very impressed mm. uh, with that kind of uh, character yeah. and discipline when no one's looking. You know, character is what you are when no one is looking. Yeah. And so, yeah, she, she had that kind of... Um, quiet but very steady faith mm, um, mm, mm. so uh, those would be and my older sister too my sister i have two older two older sisters and my sisters were great role models for me mm. you know and so um so the women in my life have been a very big influence mm. practically like for some of the men mentors of my life have been people from afar mm. And if I have to pick, um, you know, John Piper was a huge influence in my life, and um, and R.C. Sproul, uh, you know, through his books and ministry. Um, yeah. I met John Piper personally in person, uh, and I know uh, there's another person who you know I'm almost like don't want to mention because uh, scandals and stuff. But uh, mm. you know, Ravi Zacharias, his oh, ministry. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you know, as much as it. it pains me to hear his, his uh, revelations yeah, of uh, his, yeah, his yeah. fall. Yeah, he had a huge uh, influence on me too, yeah. But uh, early in, in my ministry, um, yeah, he actually had a huge influence in, in his apologetical approach yeah, and so yeah. forth. 
And um, yeah, so th- they sort of shaped mm. uh, my thinking. Mm. Um, mm. You know, there are many other people as well, but mm-hmm. um, you know, practically in life, um, you know, I've had people. Just there are many people who have been influential in my life. I mean, there isn't like this one discipler who I felt like. I mean, you know, that's been one of my things. You know, like um, there hasn't been this one person who shaped me and molded me. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I, I was able to kind of like sit under mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. different ministries yeah. and, and learn that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great. That's great. <clears throat> yeah, it's really cool that uh, the the two most immediate people that come to your mind are um, two the closest women in your life. That's that's really special and very moving. Makes me makes me also kind of yeah. appreciate my my family again and my wife all the more. Yeah, yeah they're the two people who pray the most for me. <laughs> I mm. know that for sure. Yeah. That's also true. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, last time I, I didn't get to this, but I had some just fun, sure. sort of rapid fire <laughs> questions I wanted to okay. ask, just random questions and just see what, what kind of responses I get out of okay. Billy Park. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, where are you going on your next date night? <laughs> Costco. <laughs> I'll, I'll edit that out so you can, okay. you can change your answer. Um, no, uh, actually, it's interesting. You know, like our, you know, like our thing that we do together mm. is like, mm. you know, we run errands together or things like that. So it's uh, that could be romantic. That could be. Uh, yeah, we don't we don't do the real romantic thing. <laughs> really well so <laughs> i would not be a great example of the romantic is it wait uh, but is it because you've tried and then she was like ew don't do that or is you guys just been comfortable being who you are and that's just how it's well, been i think if if i ask her to go somewhere mm-hmm. like for instance i love eating out or yeah you know uh-huh. food uh, you know i love you know yeah. uh a very uh and my wife doesn't really, you know, like if you ask her, what's her favorite restaurant? She doesn't have a favorite mm. restaurant. Mm. She's very frugal. So like if I ask her on a date to go out somewhere, she, yeah. she'll think it's for me. <laughs> 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 I don't want to go eat. It's not for her. So that's why actually her thing is it's just spending time mm. like cleaning the house together yeah. or like, you know, uh, yeah. actually her biggest thing, the best way I could bless her is, mm. uh, you know, praying together in the morning. You know, um, we, you know, if, if it was up to her, we pray together every morning and mm. I do try to pray uh, mm. together or, you know, she doesn't think I try that, that mm. hard because we miss a lot of mornings. Mm. She wakes up really early. She wakes mm. up 530 in the morning. I, I wake up whenever I want, so to speak, from anywhere from 730 mm. to sometimes late, you know, mm. and so mm. I'm not as consistent. But, you know, actually our, our time together is praying together in the morning mm-hmm. um, you know we we pray every night together we definitely do that every night um, but I think for her if I were to get up early with her and pray with her early in the morning but uh, for me I'm a night owl so mm. I do do that uh, but definitely not enough so 
it's not like doing a date night thing. That's mm-hmm. not. A, it's not something that she's like asking you for yeah. or craving. And, in or, yeah. one sense, I I actually um, that's what attracted me to her. Like she was not like. <laughs> Had those worldly demands, sort of. Speak. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not saying that that's wrong. I mean, it's yeah. it's kind of nice. Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah. uh, and I'm definitely more worldly than her. Than in that sure. way. I mean, her yeah. love language can be different. I mean, everyone's love yeah. language can be different. Sure. Yeah. What would happen? Though? You could edit it out. Well, no, no, no. This is this <laughs> is too uh, funny. I have yeah. to keep this. Uh, what would happen though, if let's say, uh, on one evening, you were to tell her to meet you at this location? And it's a new restaurant you've never been to. Be, neither of you have been to before. And she walks in, and she sees you at a table for two. Mm. And there's a candle, and you have a rose. You're dressed up, <laughs> and you 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 stand up and you pull the chair for her, and she sits down. And you have this card you wrote, just your whatever feelings towards her, ready to give her. Yeah. If that were to go down, yeah. She'll what? say she'll be like, "Why? What did, did you do wrong?" <laughs> <laughs> really, that's how she was. Yeah. She's like, "What's you, wrong with you?" You don't think that will like bring her to, uh, to yeah. tears and maybe maybe move her? maybe. Okay. And I, you know, I should do. I definitely should do more. I, I you know, I, I should be a better husband. You know, that's definitely always <laughs> I, my. I'm New just Year's curious. Resolution. Like, I was just curious yeah. if you were to imagine that happening. Like, what you think her response might be? You know, she um, would. She would laugh. She would. <laughs> she, she would like. And maybe she would cry. Who are you? Yeah, yeah, she would like, who's, you're possessed. <laughs> you know, there's some other spirit than Billy Park. <laughs> no, you can just yeah. feel like, yeah, I'm just filled with the Holy Spirit uh, right now. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah. So definitely, okay. you know, I, that's something I, you know, I think because my wife is, you know, in one sense, like, she's she doesn't, demand a lot of those kind of things mm-hmm, mm-hmm, we're speaking mm-hmm. so she's very content i think yeah she's right? very content and yeah. in in a sense and yeah she asked for simple things yeah. of me yeah. which yeah. sometimes i don't even feel like i, I do her justice mm-hmm. and this is one of the th- things you know as much as i need to be the better husband mm-hmm. and I, I definitely don't want to use this as an excuse for my poor behavior um you know one of the reasons why i, I would say I have so much admiration for my mother mm-hmm. is no matter what, you know, it's like kind of one of those things, you know, uh, no matter what I did, I could say um, the love of my mother, right, is always there, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so with my wife, as you know, I much as, as much as I know, I, I grieve her and stuff like that. And so it's not like... You know, so th- there's something about her that, um, you know, that her steadiness and everything, mm, that's, mm. you know, like, it's not that I shouldn't definitely, I mean, there's so much, you know, I, I take that as a rebuke and advice, <laughs> no. you know. No, no, I, seriously, I mean, they're, they're definitely, you know, when I, and whenever I think about this, I say, you know, wow, you know, I, I've, I've kind of gotten way too comfortable and uh, mm. how I treat my wife and stuff like that. But I think, but when I think about that, you know, I mean, she has every right to just be grieved, you know, and she is grieved by, you know, some of the things I don't do or do. But, um, you know, but that's, those are things that make me admire her more. Yeah. Because yeah. she has to put up with me, <laughs> you yeah. know, so, yeah. yeah. I, I think um, there's something <laughs> similar there, with, I think, with your wife and, and my wife. 
just I think if you ask and I really shouldn't say she should be the one saying this but um, I mean she recently told me that she's happy and I was like there's something wrong with you you should not be happy with this state of current state of affairs because I I need to be better at this and that and right um, but I think it was just her moment of just Thanksgiving yeah for just faithfulness in marriage, yeah. children, parenting, and health, and just the little things that that I think we do take for granted. People yeah. do take for granted, and people can be overly demanding or, or entitled to a lot more than the the yeah. daily bread. But I think Lynn was just appreciating all those things, and um, mm. I, I sense some of that coming from yeah. what you're sharing, um, and that's great, you know. And yeah. everyone's different. I think everyone, everyone's love language is different, and so uh, I think as long as we are communicating their love language, I think it's fine. Yeah, um, and I, I must say, like the younger guys, like yourself, uh, you know, you're getting older too. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, I, I, you guys are much better husbands and fathers than my generation. <laughs> to be honest, like I feel like the older, I mean, there, there are exceptions to this as well, but it's, it's sure. much more, I mean, I'm 59, and a lot of my peers, uh, I think, uh, would, would probably, because we didn't learn some of those things. Oh, yeah. And, and so yeah. uh, how to be romantic or, you know, kind of what we yeah. do for our wives or yeah. so... You know, I blame it on my generation. <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I would, I would credit the younger guys, the way you're treating uh-huh. your wives, and uh, you know, uh, parenting. There's, there's a lot there. I, I think I, I, I have mm-hmm. to learn from younger mm-hmm. guys. I mean, I look at even my assistant pastor, the, the way he parents, and um, mm-hmm. you know, the way he his relationship to his wife. I mean, there's, there's mm-hmm. a lot. I know I can learn, mm-hmm. learn from him. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, I think you're a good role model. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, do you have a bucket list? And if so, oh. what might be one or two things on there that you can share? Bucket list. Okay. Um, well, uh, you know, some of the fun things, I, before I share those, I mean, off the top of my head, I would say I would love to go to the Holy Land mm. before I die. Never been. I, never been to the Holy yeah. Land. Uh, you know Israel, or mid, you know Israel, and and maybe even mm. through, uh, traveling through Turkey or places of um, Paul's journeys. It's probably much harder <coughs> to go now. I would imagine, right? right? Yeah, <laughs> with the war. Yeah, and what's happening now? It's more dangerous. Um, but uh, you know, I have a real heart for Israel. Actually, you know, through all this conflict that's going on, so uh, Israel is very much on my heart these days. Um, so. I actually would love to, you know. Again, I'm I'm not a dispensationalist. <laughs> I, 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 you don't want to go and help them rebuild the uh, yeah. temple. Okay. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not there. Uh, but in, in, I have a deep, I have a deep appreciation for history. So mm. those places, for me, like uh, more than beautiful places, like historic places, have a lot, of, a lot more meaning for me. Mm. So places like you know Israel, uh, maybe Turkey, the. Um, mm. you know, Europe and some of the places of the Reformation. You yeah. Know, I, I would love to go visit those places. Yeah. Um, that's one. Uh, mm. On the other one, um, um, 
meet Shohei Otani. <laughs> I'm wow, a yeah. huge Shohei Otani fan. How do you and feel so, about this Dodger deal? You know, I, I'm a, Yan- a lifelong Yankee fan who's no longer a lifelong Yankee fan. Uh-oh. Because, uh oh. <laughs> now you're a Dodger fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, 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 I was. Um, Baseball was my first love, actually. Mm. Uh, so I played Little League, and so nice. that was my first sport. Yeah. And the New York Yankees was my like first team. New York Yankees, I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. Sorry, Tim and Danny Kwan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but um, yeah, so I stopped watching baseball, like, you know, maybe about 10 years ago, I stopped mm, watching baseball. Mm, mm. And then three years ago, when Shohei Otani started to blow yeah. up, I was like, yeah. "Wow!" You know, yeah. it's like Linsanity. You know, Linsanity was but the greatest all the moment. time. Like, yeah, I mean, Linsanity kind of died yeah, out. It was like whereas this guy weeks, is just, right? he's just going and then on and Linsanity, on. Linsanity, he was never the greatest basketball player, you know. But seeing, um, you know, he's Japanese, yeah. native Japanese, and so, but like uh, an Asian athlete, yeah in a major U.S. sport, um, being considered, like, the greatest player of all time, possibly, discussing like that. The the next Babe Ruth type of... Yeah, so I became, like, you know, I, I, like, watched, like, I subscribed to MLB. I watched every game. It was like Linsanity. That's what I did for Linsanity as well. Yeah. So I couldn't go to... I didn't go to any games, but Mm -hmm. I didn't see them live. So I said, you know, I can't go to a live game, so I'm going to just, like, Mm. find the... An online way mm-hmm. of uh, mm-hmm. you know see every game. Mm-hmm. So I watched, mm-hmm. I watched every highlight, mm-hmm. and just followed mm-hmm. his career mm-hmm. from three years ago. I, mm-hmm. I kind of knew of him when he was a rookie and stuff, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> but when it, when he blew up in his twenty twenty one, yeah, just the last three seasons, I've been like, I've been a Shohei Otani fan, mm-hmm. and so I, I realized I stopped being a Yankee fan. <laughs> <laughs> Like when the Yankees played, you know, Angels, I was like, I didn't care anything about the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> I just want Shohei to get a home run <laughs> yeah. and do well. And so, mm, yeah, mm. so I, I, I said, you know, the next team he signs with, I'm mm. going to be that that team's fan. Mm, so mm. I'm happy that he's with the Dodgers mm. uh, because, you know, I think he he will get his due. Like, you know, mm. the. You know, he uh, not that he didn't have attention before, but like mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. the Dodgers mm-hmm. kind of provide a platform for people to recognize him more mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. appreciate him. And so, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, they've become the evil team now with <laughs> with all the yeah. No, he's uh, um, phenomenal. Yeah, um, really once in a lifetime or several lifetimes, maybe. Yeah, uh, kind so of. So I don't have to go see a game or whatever, but yeah, I mean, uh, if if I had a bucket list, uh, you know, I would something with. Dodger yeah. Braves game, maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be more people cheering for Otani than than the Braves. Yeah. So, but I mean, that would have been great if he came to the uh, Braves. Then I could finally be oh. an Atlanta sports fan. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Atlanta. <laughs> it it's hard. It's hard to uh, be. It's uh, tough. Braves, Braves are easy to root for, but it's just. You They're know, decent. I mean, yeah, Braves. I would root Falcons. for the Braves, but I've become so such a Shohei fan that it's like everything else mm, is gotcha. Like, yeah. it's like this black hole that yeah. you know. Yeah, you think Dodgers made the right move investing him in for the next decade? And, oh my goodness, yeah. they got a great deal. Yeah, the way the contract is structured. You think you think he was maybe even slightly underpaid? Him, the seven hundred million. <coughs> 
because it's uh, in today's money is 460. You know, mm-hmm. and so yeah, if you consider it that way, he is underpaid. But mm. I think Otani, he's going to make so much money in endorsements that um, true. He'll be he a billionaire anyway, and he doesn't care. You know, yeah, that's and, the thing. Like yeah. I don't see him really going for that. Yeah, because when he, he signed the game, yeah, when he joined the MLB, he could have waited like one or two years, and he could have got two hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. he 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 had like such a small contract, so. Mm-hmm. You know, just last year he had a three thirty million dollar contract with the Angels, but before mm-hmm. then he was getting like you know less than five million dollars. Mm-hmm. So when he was having MVP seasons, you know, so he just blew up. But he doesn't yeah. care, you know. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. seem to care, and he'll be fine, <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, he has to live over two million dollars for the next ten years, yeah. plus like fifty million endorsements. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 What a shame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Favorite, oh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Okay, can I think of something? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I can't think. So, of so as long as you could, you yeah. could visit Israel and watch a yeah. tiny game. <laughs> you're, you're you're ready to go to heaven. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite movie of all time? Hmm, that's a great question. Um, I know you're mo- movie buff. Yeah. Uh, I've watched a lot of movies in my lifetime. One that uh, stuck with you, that you know. Is. You know, I think Danny Kwan mentioned *Chariots of Fire*. Yes, I mean that. And yeah. you know, I think some people watch it; they can find it boring. You know, it's like t- in today's standards. But I watched *Chariots of Fire*. Uh, it was, it's a very meaningful movie because oh, I yeah. watched it when I was a high school student. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I watched it the day before our opening track meet with my track team. Wow. So my whole track team, I mean, uh, watched it in a, in a theater in New Hampshire. I was at school, wow. school in New Hampshire. And we watched it together. And I didn't expect anything. You know, like yeah. when you go to movies with no expectations, it can right. actually have more yeah, powerful exactly. effects. So yeah. I watched this movie and I felt like I was so inspired. Yeah. Because, you know, even though I was living a kind of rebellious spiritual life, mm. I did have a deep-seated faith yeah. deep down inside. Yeah. And hit the, Eric Little's faith and his yeah. achievements and everything, yeah. it so resonated so deeply mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that the next day I had my very best meet, mm, you know, track meet, mm, mm. where I jumped like, yeah, I was a long jumper. Did you feel God's pleasure? I, I actually did. <laughs> Right, I jumped 19 feet 2 inches and I qualified for the New Hampshire state meet. Wow. And and the thing is, though, right, and that was the first meet of the season, that whole rest of the season, I never got closer than 18 feet, 6 inches, mm. right? So about, <clears throat> you know, like mm. 8 inches away, mm, you know, from mm-hmm, uh, mm. from uh, my best one that I mm. ran after Chariots of Fire. <laughs> so I did really have this. I don't know if there was a swift mm. wind or something that helped yeah. me, but... Um, yeah, so I, I would, Chariots of Fire would be up there, but I, I don't know if I would say, it's, but I, I used to... The writing also is so great. I mean, they don't yeah. write lines like that anymore. When I run, <laughs> I can feel God's pleasure. Yeah. Who writes like that anymore in Hollywood? I mean, yeah. that's... Uh, but I, I would say probably my... So the impact movies, like I would say Chariots of Fire... Um, it's a wonderful life. It's a Christmas yeah. movie. I mean, oh, yeah. it could be cheesy, but like I rewatch it almost every yeah, year. Like yeah, like it, it, and you know, I mean, 
especially during those times where you feel like, you know, what is my life worth? Or, you know, th there's a heartwarming thing that there's yes. a message in it. Yes. Uh, you know, giving perspective to life. Yes, um, definitely. That was a great movie. Yep. Um, but I would say, you know, if I had to, if I say, what's my favorite movie? It would be Lord of the Rings, mm. the trilogy, mm. extended edition. <laughs> when I first watched it in the movies, yeah. I wasn't like a huge fan. Huh. I watched it because, you know, everybody's talking it up. And yeah, so yeah, I yeah. watched it when okay. it came out, Lord of the Rings. I said, hey, it's pretty good. But I wasn't like a huge fan. But then one Christmas time, I rewatched it by myself. Mm on my laptop, the extended version. Like I spend like this Christmas, yeah, like every night like, yeah. I was watching like, yeah. cause you know, awesome. we were on vacation, but like nice. I had some downtime, it was late night and nice. then everybody's asleep. And then yeah. I watched it and <laughs> I, the extended edition had all these things. And then I was like, wow, this is an amazing movie, yeah. right? And I started to see a lot of these, what yeah. people are talking about. Yeah, yeah. Seeing the layers and seeing some of the Christian Sure. underpinning yeah and uh i was like this is the best movie of all time <laughs> right when yeah. i saw that and so yeah. i guess nothing has dethroned it mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. i would say that's uh, yeah i mean in terms of yeah. a epic movie it's hard to top return of the king um yeah that's as epic as they come scale and yeah. and quality and acting and all that yeah score yeah i can't i can't point to a recent movie that i really enjoyed mm, mm, mm. really well mm. um, have you seen uh living yeah i remember you mentioning that yeah. i want to see that yeah i haven't seen i'm it. curious what you yeah. would think about it yeah um it because it really gave me a throwback vibe to yeah. the 80s sort of yeah or the kind like it's a wonderful life kind of feeling okay. yeah um, I was really surprised by it. I watched it on a flight, um, yeah. and I was just crying. And I've been wanting um, to watch that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll, yeah. I'll watch it. Yeah, and give um, you give you a review. <laughs> to me, that was like a surprise movie of the yeah. year. Really enjoyed that, and easily became one of like my maybe top ten favorite movies really? of all okay. time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I I think re it's hard to pick recent movies that are that are as you know impactful or. Um, sometimes when I think about my favorite, more impactful movies, I do go back to like the eighties yeah. and like chairs of fire. I also watched it in when I was a high school student, but on, on a videotape video cassette <laughs> in the library of, um, Biola. Because oh, okay. my dad was at Talbot right. and he would just pick me up after school and take me to Talmud and I would just be in the library but I wouldn't be doing my homework I would go to the movie section yeah and small TV there's then, a small right? TV there <laughs> yeah. you put on this Video, ghetto headphone yeah. um, and yeah. and just put it because I saw best picture right at 1985 or something yeah. so I thought yeah. okay this, this might be decent because the other ones were they didn't attract me um, I was just blown away yeah um and Amadeus being another one that was kind of an old classic, or The Mission yeah. with yeah. Robert De Niro. Yeah. Um, that's, the, that's the one with the score, the song Gabriel's, Gabriel's Oboe. Oboe. Yeah, yeah. I listened to that. Uh, it's like, I, I think if there's a classical piece that kind of lifts, lifts me up. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's that. Oh, yeah. I have it like on, on my, uh, you know, I, I listen to it on YouTube. Yeah, uh, that doesn't YouTube get music. old. Yeah. But it's like, if I want to like, if I feel like 
I'm losing the sense. It has a way of like. It just you takes know, you to angelic. Maybe not seventh heaven, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I listened to it. I was like, oh wow, there's a heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like I think I forgot who said this, but like classical music. You can't explain classical music without God. <laughs> yeah. Or something yeah. like God. Right. Classical There's music something is transcendent. pointing to like, the existence of God. Yeah. And, yeah. Might know. be someone like Peter Kreft, because he makes kind of those arguments from aesthetics. <coughs> but, yeah. Um, and then and there's some really like black and white ones that I still think is amazing, like The Twelve yeah. Angry Men. Mm. Um, that, that movie. Yeah. Um, so minimal. In college, I used to like so Kurosawa films, you know. Oh yeah. The Japanese yeah, films. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Rashomon. Oh yeah, those yeah. are considered to be still like yeah. some of the greatest films in history. Yeah. Like I mean, you can you can say he was influenced by Hitchcock and like, yeah. you know, and people today imitate him, you yeah. know, right, yeah. you know, Kurosawa. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> um favorite preacher. <sighs> Favorite preacher. I in in the past I, I used to say uh, you know like so in my early years in ministry it used to be Ravi Zacharias, mm. but then you know with Ravi he's really good at these like illustrations and apologetics and this mm. sort of like okay uh, speak to the modern mind, but then I found his his exposition to be really you know it wasn't really expositional. Yeah. So I liked uh, John Piper. Mm. I think that's it, you know sort of later in my ministry. It's like more John Piper, mm. and then I used to like this pastor called uh, you know PCA people might know him, but Skip Ryan. I mean he had his own some mm. issues with um, you know uh, he got addicted to prescription drugs, and mm. so later on you know. In his life, he had some issues hmm. like that. But I, when in his prime, I, I really liked his style. Hmm. Him, Phil Riken. So if I were to oh, yeah. pick, I mean, John Piper, I, he had a huge influence in my life, but I, I would not em- emulate John Piper's preaching. Mm, 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 you know, mm, at one time mm. I tried, but it's, it's not <laughs> happening. <laughs> but, I, you know, when I listen to, I mean, Tim Keller, I mean, I love Tim Keller as well. Mm, but, like, mm. you know, I think Tim Keller and John Piper are two people that I thank God for, but I can't emulate those guys, you know? But I think I, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, when I hear uh, Phil Reichen who, uh, mm-hmm. in, in his preaching days, you know, mm-hmm. who's now mm-hmm. president of yeah. Wheaton, yeah. I really liked his style, his mm-hmm. preaching. It's very down mm-hmm. to earth, mm-hmm. almost very emulatable, like, in, you mm-hmm. know, as an mm-hmm. average person. Uh, not yeah. that he's an average preacher, he's yeah. a very good yeah. preacher, yeah. but, and then um, yeah. Skip Ryan, I actually liked his style as well. Yeah. Uh, of, yeah. Of speaking, yeah, you know, and it, it seemed to fit with my personality a little mm, more. And mm. you know, I, I don't want to put myself in their class at all, but um, uh, but um, I know you had mentioned in one of your interviews, you know, you used to be a Lloyd Jones fan, and yes, uh, you know, I don't think he's someone emulatable either yeah. uh, today, <laughs> yeah. but I, uh, I do find his preaching. Mm-hmm. Like, I think J.I. Packard said when he heard Lloyd-Jones, like, there's no other person. I, I had a sense of God, mm, you know, like, mm, mm. there's something about his preaching, though. Like, I, I, I listen to him a lot, mm. you know, uh, when I prepare, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he goes so into depth. He's a, such yeah. a, you know, he'll preach on one yeah. word, right? Not even one <laughs> verse. He's like, preach on one <laughs> <Yeah>. word. <laughs> you know, yeah. he'll, he'll, he'll preach on, like, 
right. four sermons in one verse. Right. That's why it took right. him years to get yeah. through Romans. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm going through Romans now, and so okay. I, I listen cool. to him to yeah. glean things, and yeah. definitely I can't model my preaching after him, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Uh, but that yeah. sense of God that he brings, yeah. and and the anal- analysis of the text. Yeah. Those parts I just like so appreciate. Yes. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, yeah, so, definitely. You know, those those would be the yeah. people. But. It's interesting you mentioned like the distinction between like uh, being drawn to someone not to emulate, but but drawn because of the the impact right. you feel from them. Um, and then I think there are also some people maybe you want to model after a little bit too. But uh, Lloyd Jones definitely. Um, you know, this is not an absolute kind of thing, but you know how we talk about people with more kingly voice or yeah. prophetic voice or priestly voice as generalizations. And and John Piper definitely has, for me, that prophetic voice, but I, I prefer the prophetic voice of Lloyd-Jones. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, if he was a local pastor down the street, I would attend his church, and yeah. I would I would want to sit under that. <clears throat> uh, but no way, I don't, I don't think I can... Um, even in Piper my old has, age, can Piper has certain emotional outbursts <laughs> <laughs> that you know it's very convicting in some ways, but sometimes yeah. it's a little too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. right, right. Um, that that sometimes, sometimes I think the but what it's I'm still hearing one of my heroes. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. In those moments yeah. where where he he brings more of the yeah. outbursts, I feel like I'm getting more John Piper than Scripture. Yeah. Whereas, whereas with Lloyd Jones, I, I feel like I, even with his tone and style, I st- I'm still getting like mostly what God yeah. is speaking. And it's interesting; he's so like heady in one sense, but yeah. his emphasis on the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. like he, like e- even him, like I heard him on preaching and preachers, and he, yes, he, he kind of allows for it. He doesn't yeah. want to be restricted to a certain yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Like he yeah. wants to give. I remember that. Like Holy Spirit, yes. he, he doesn't know how he's gonna go. <laughs> In that sense, you know? I feel like yeah, he is so, my favorite non-charismatic charismatic. Yeah, <laughs> and so that freed me yeah. too because I'm like I, I have a hard time preaching from a manuscript. I preach from yeah. outlines, mm, mm, mm. but like sometimes you know my mind kind of goes certain ways, and yeah. I know that I could be more disciplined and. Uh, you know, I can go off he, on tangents. Yeah, but now then, that you mentioned the book, I, me- I remember reading something like that, and and it's it's also being well prepared enough yeah. where that moment the spirit gives you that right direction right the going off script isn't like distracting you or derailing you from the whole thing cuz right. you're familiar with the script you're you're yeah. prepared enough right um, and it could be abused that kind of pattern right and so right you to still want to be grounded every tangent and every emotional right yeah pet peeve that you have you know <laughs> yeah. and i I've, I've i've erred in that way too but like mm-hmm. but but that having that room where mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're, you're led by the spirit, I mean, genuinely, and yeah. like there, there, there are people there need to hear mm-hmm, certain things that mm-hmm. you had no idea, mm-hmm. you know, and you know that, um, you know, which is ironic. Like sometimes, like um, you know, sometimes you feel like, oh, I preach a great sermon, and people go, people, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and then other times you're like, oh man, I bombed, I, and that's exactly, wow, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And, <laughs> It's like this is it's so this weird is a God how that thing. happens. Yeah, this is a God thing. yeah, preaching is a God thing. Yeah, that's talented true. people it's is not how, enough. It's know? funny how that works. Yeah. Um, uh, last question, maybe uh, favorite historical or political figure. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, you being a history buff and yeah, I mean, 
Jonathan Edwards, off the top of my head, I think uh, would be, hmm. you know, because that's what drew me to Piper, you know, sort of the Edwardsian. So I, I would, hmm. I'm a Calvinist, but I, you know, I'm a Calvinist of the Edwardsian ilk, hmm. <laughs> hmm. you know. Uh, so, <clears throat> you know, I would pick him if I had to pick a historic figure. Hmm. But I, you know, just appreciating some of the Korean figures, like hmm. uh, I think. Uh, one of my relatives is uh, my great on my maternal mother's side, great grandfathers. Who that the person who would be my? It's a great great uncle. So my great grandfather's younger brother mm. is Jugichar uh, Moksanim, Kichar mm. Chu. Uh, uh, Sounds familiar. He was a, a martyr. Uh, he got killed in a Japanese prison in North Korea. Wow. Um, in 1944, because hmm. he he was the resistance leader against the Shinto shrine worship, hmm. and uh, he was the one who spoke out in Presbytery that the Presbytery, uh, when the Korean Presbytery uh, decided to say it was okay to bow down to hmm. the shrine, hmm. you know, um, as a nationalistic thing, hmm. And, hmm. you know, and uh, you know. Chugichar and others um, said this is a breaking of first and second commandment and they went to prison for it and some got executed in prison mm. and so uh, my great great uncle was uh, someone who was executed wow. in prison so I mean he's sort of a, a national a Christian hero mm. in, in Korea mm. a martyr uh, and so I grew up hearing a lot about his story mm. and so mm. <clears throat> I definitely don't have the resiliency of that kind of faith—it's um, part of my legacy, but mm. and I sort of uh, piggyback off of that. <laughs> and uh, I, by nature, am a coward. You know, I, not that very strong. <laughs> Someone put a gun to my head, I might compromise. But, but because of that, it's like, you know, that history. Mm. I'm I'm not a bold person by nature, mm. you know, but mm. I think that history, those people. Gives me courage, mm. you know, to stand when I feel like I'm the one shaking. But like, you know, okay, I'm gonna attach myself to the steel, <laughs> mm. Mm. and so mm. I'm not the steel. But uh, mm. you know, uh, knowing that there are people who've had went through yeah. challenges of faith like far greater than me and still believed, and so right, right. you know, when when I went through my own doubts, I was like, you know what, there are better people than me who have believed mm. through tougher times, mm -hmm. and so. I can believe too. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's encouraging. Yeah, thanks for that. Thanks for yeah uh, indulging me in these questions and, and but especially <laughs> it was fun. It was very yeah, fun. yeah. Uh, appreciated just your. Uh, I always appreciate like more the historical perspective you bring to our conversations. So um, thank you for bringing that again and just the encouraging things you shared about church, church planting, and ministry resilience. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate what you're doing with these podcasts, and uh, I'm listening to each one of them. Okay. You know, Good. and so I, I enjoy it, and getting to know some of the people you're interviewing, and getting to know you through it as well. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. <laughs>